Hey y'all, this is uh, Hindsight Movie Reviews. I'm Derek. As always, I'm joined by my right-hand man, the smartest man in the room, uh, Brandon. Um, and today we are joined by one of my other favorite people in the world, my uh, supersonic co-host, my, uh, like literally one of the smartest people I know, period. And that's no hyperbole. Uh, Shante Fabulous from Single Simulcast. Shante, how are you doing today? I am doing great. I'm excited to talk about uh, the movie today. I like how you try to deflect it back to the movie instead of us talking about you, but guess what, nigga? Not, uh, tell them something about yourself. Tell them something about your show. Like, tell them something that you've been up to. The floor is yours. I am, like Rashani said, the co-host of Single Simulcast, where I get to talk shit about a lot of things and a lot of people, but also big up the people that I do like. So hopefully you'll check that out. I also uh, love K-pop. I am studying <laughs> Korean. And yeah, that's all you need to know right now. We had, a whole, we had a whole thing on the why so serious about K-pop because I didn't know anything about it. Like I didn't know what it, I didn't like somebody, I forget who was on our show and they were talking about like some groups, the most famous group in the world. And I'm like, how are the most famous group in the world? I've never heard of them. And they're like, and everybody starts piling on me because I never heard of these this group. Nigga, you're the one who said it. How are they the most? How are they the most famous group in the world? If I've never heard of them. That's Nigga. right. Yeah, you, yeah, you. That's right. You, you that did one. that to but yourself. Still. That's right. How they can't look? Look, nigga. How are? How is time one of the best spices? If I don't put it on my chicken, okay. That's right. I mean, I mean, That's correct. But isn't one of those things, that type of phrase is less about? each individual person hearing it and more along the lines that there are individual people in so many places around the world that that's why they're famous. It's not about like we all have heard of them, but it's mm -hmm. like they got fans here and they have fans. Well, that's there what I end up fans. saying. Yeah. yeah. I end up saying like, that's real American to me to say that. Yeah. <laughs> really American. I, uh, I, I uh, shared a tweet. Uh, last last week from somebody I don't even know who it was I just saw it and was like yoink and so um, the tweet was America is the only place I know where people will never get out of their own city and say that we have the best country in the world. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's I mean it's accurate. I mean I think at the same time though it's just like you could still appreciate how dope this the country looks oh yeah in a, some cases it's a pretty country <laughs> but i do think but it's like oh we're the best country in the world when people say that shit they're saying it because they think that every other place stinks and it's just like yeah that's not that's not true that um, america is akin to the woman on strobolite honey like yo it, you're beautiful when the strobe lights are hitting you but as soon as the lights come on yo i'm sorry i thought you were someone else uh <laughs> If y'all have not heard uh, that song in a while from the Black Sheep, that is still a classic. Uh, and it, it also brought to the forefront the um, little, little, little quick blurb by me. Um, I did tell somebody that my telephone number was 765-4321 um, and that the area code was 1-900. And they were like, bitch, I've listened to the Black Sheep as well. And I didn't even want your number, so. <laughs> Turned out they were coming over to me as a dare, and I played myself twice. 
um, by thinking I was better than them and by using the black sheep. But I also was that guy who would uh, allegedly use the lyrics of famous bands in my love letters to my girlfriends. I counter with saying that the lyrics weren't famous until I put them in a letter. Brandon. <laughs> what? Nothing. So, Brandon, <laughs> Brandon is taking the lead on this episode. Today we are talking about The Distinguished Gentleman, uh, which I would like to point out is one of the best Eddie Murphy movies that I've seen, but it's also one of the first Eddie Murphy movies in this pack that Eddie Murphy didn't write. I'm just saying, I'm just throwing it out there real quick that it was cohesive as shit and Eddie had nothing to do with it. He was just a character in the movie. That's also, it's also one of the lowest rated Eddie Murphy movies. And I find that to be quite interesting. I didn't even I, know about it until y'all said something. I thought it was rated low because of how much political stuff that they were trying to get in that you had to pay attention to to understand as far as like yeah, as far as like like if Eddie was still funny, but there was so much other stuff that they had to get in there to deal with the plot that I think that's why people don't fuck with it. Or it's like a conspiracy that because it was so accurate in some ways as far as our political system is concerned that people got to be like, yeah, don't watch this shit. Yeah, yes. it did feel like a um, really good comedy version of like the wire version of... Uh, politics like you weren't supposed to know this shit outsiders that a con man could come into uh into congress and not be the biggest con man there anymore and i think that now um it's it's all second it's it's all old nature to us like we're not surprised at the shit that goes on in congress but back then that shit was probably scandalous as a mug yeah it's so good because it has like as a political nerd that I am, like it has all the aspects of Congress because Congress is made up of actual con men and then it's mm -hmm. made up of people who get there because of their name, which they had a big part of in many ways in this film with Eddie Murphy's character and like the white guy that was a football player and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. They get there because of their mm -hmm. name. And then there's people that are there for the greed just to make the money. And then there's also, I mean, people don't like to talk about this sometimes, but there's also people who are in Congress who are really there because they do mm -hmm. want to make change. And mm -hmm. they do want to like uh, make law, pass laws that help people and things like that. And so you have all these different group types of people thrown into this one body that have to coexist. And so what happens is you get what you see in this movie. You get a bunch of people all doing different things, and then the general public can't tell the difference, and so they just lumped it all in together. Like, you're, you're all, all the same. And so somebody actually comes out and proves that they're different, which is what happens at the end of this film. Um, right. But, yeah, this film is about, uh, I mean, the technical, I mean, IMBD did a good job this time. So a con man discovers during a job that U.S. Congress is where the money is, name recognition gets some electives, um, but he eventually develops a conscious. That's actually a pretty good uh, mm -hmm. description of what happens in this film. But I mean, uh, also, is it because not enough people saw this movie, so nobody fucked with the synopsis? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's probably true too. So this film stars Eddie Murphy, uh, Cheryl Lee Ralph, and a bunch of people you probably never heard of, um, Lane Smith. 
Victor Rowell. I don't know these people. Kevin McCarthy. Oh, Charles Dutton. People know him. Um, but yeah, so this film came out in the early 90s. I think it was 92. 92? Yeah, I think it was 92. Um, and I saw this film in college, actually, because um, I went back. So I got my bachelor's degree and I went back to school. I bachelor's degree in marketing and I went back to school to get another degree in uh, political science, what they called it, government and public policy. And so I was in a class and they actually showed this movie. And I'm like, y'all showing the Eddie Murphy movie in college? What are you showing this for? And they showed this film because they, my professor was like, this is one of the, a very accurate film that's not taken seriously, but that's actually quite serious. And it's just, and it's done, and they really wanted us to see the film because when you turn everything up on 11, it's really easier to understand the simple concepts behind it as opposed to when you're down the weeds trying to see it in real life. And so if you do real life things, but you turn it up to 11, it makes those real life things stand out more. And that was his point in showing us this film. Uh, so I always liked this film from that perspective. Um, and that was the first time I saw it was, you know, maybe like seven or eight years ago when I went back uh, went back to college. Uh, Shantae, when, when, go ahead, Ronnie. Um, you were saying that the cast may be a lot of people that people may not recognize, but I recognized a good number of them. It was just like, whoa, they got a really good cast. Um, because even like, um, oh God. Victor Rivers, who played Armando, who didn't get much to say in this film. He was just one of the group of con people. Um, he was in Blood In, Blood Out. And so I was like, yo, that's Magic Mike. Like, <laughs> yo. Um, and then Chi McBride uh, from Roll Bounce mm -hmm. was in this movie and was skinny, which twice just blew my mind because... I didn't, I didn't know he was ever in a situation where he wasn't the dude that he is now, like bald-headed and just solid. So, and then uh, Victoria Roel, like my my grandmother watched Young and the Restless like crazy. So that was like, yo, I know her too. But yeah, this, this movie had a pretty great cast for 92. Yeah, and Sarah Lee Ralph is like always fine. Like oh, this yeah. is like thirty years ago, she was yeah, fine, she, and like thirty years later, she's still fine. Yeah, so that was excellent. Um, Shantae, was this your first time seeing it, or have you seen this before? No, I, I'm pretty sure I saw this in the '90s, probably not too long after it came out. So I would have been like, you know, eleven or twelve when I saw it, but definitely seen it then, and was happy to see it again, and was pleasantly surprised at how funny it was. Because I, you know, when you're a kid, you watch stuff, and you know, I was basically trying to like temper my expectations, not necessarily remembering everything about it. But it was like watching it again. It was just like this is funny. This is like this is top notch Eddie Murphy. Like this is what I think a lot of people harken back to. But also knowing that people didn't really fuck with this movie, that this is not the one that people say like, oh, you know, they don't. This is not the way they don't talk about distinguished gentlemen the way they talk about coming to America or trading places or any of the movies that he's any of those early movies, those eighties and nineties movies that he did. They, you know, they just don't. But this is a good movie. This is just this is Eddie Murphy. You know, being Eddie Murphy, being great, being funny. What about you, Rashani? See, this is the first time I've ever seen this movie. Um, I didn't get that college opportunity to watch it miss hawkins 
I didn't grow up I where they were gonna be showing this to people for no reason, Miss Hawkins. Seriously though, I'm shocked that I didn't see this because this was in that run of Eddie Murphy movies where he just couldn't do any wrong. Um, and so for this movie to have just gone, not just under my uh, radar, but I asked my mom about this movie and she doesn't remember it at all. Um, it's really stunning to me. Um, I, I just love the, uh, I, I love the, we're going to pull this long con thing and they're talking about it like it's going to be difficult. And then they're like, that was fucking easy. Like, getting in here was not difficult at all. And then they just, any kind that they were trying to pull just went by the wayside because everything that they did, their regular job was already a con. So they didn't have to put in any more work. And so they just became politicians, which was really interesting to me to watch. Um, I thought it was great. I did. I I was shocked at how much I thought it was great. for those of y'all who are listening to this, don't bother looking for this on Vudu. Don't bother looking for it on Amazon Prime Video or any of the other ones because it's not out in digital form. Um, you can only get it on DVD and or you can get it on YouTube. So because I'm like, fuck the system, I'm going to put the link to the YouTube uh, channel that it's on or the YouTube link in the show notes. So then y'all can actually watch this movie because it's something that y'all should actually see. Yeah, this film, uh, I mean, I read some of the reviews uh, like at the time and stuff, preparing for this show. And like, I I think people thought the premise was pretty good, um, but they didn't, they thought it was kind of slow. And I can see that. I can see how somebody could think this, the pacing of this film was slow uh, to an extent. And then a lot of critics were complaining about uh, some of the shooting of the film like the uh, the camera work and the cinematography, and I definitely get that. Uh, but I guess I'm more sympathetic to things in 1992, having those issues, but sometimes I'm not, because then I'll be like, well, they made good movies in the 80s and 70s, so they should have made good movies in 92. But this movie wasn't designed to be that type of film. It was a purpose of this film was to shine. To me, it was like Eddie Murphy being funny and shining a light on something that's real. And at the time, you got to remember, 1992 was going into an election year um, with Bill Clinton and George H.W. Bush. And those years were very interesting politically uh, in how the world was covering politics. And there were scandals and H.W. Bush was accused of lying and Bill Clinton had the stuff in Arkansas. And there was just a lot of things going on um, that, you know, you had a, in that, you know, in the 90s, you had a lot of political films. Um, but this film starts off <laughs> with Eddie Murphy, whose name is Thomas Jefferson Johnson. And he's essentially pulling this con on this congressman that uh, called a phone sex line and thought he was going to meet up with like some type of uh, Latinx woman. And it ends up being Cheryl Lee Ralph who shows up. Uh, and <laughs> Eddie Murphy comes in like he's the cops to, <laughs> to arrest them. And he ends up conning the congressman out of like $12,000 in a Rolex, which I actually thought this was a brilliantly, brilliantly thought out con. Um, so starting the movie off strong uh, with a great con. Um, but when you saw this, Rashani, for the first, when you saw the, how this movie kicked off with this opening con, 
did you did it give you like hope that this movie was gonna be good? Because before we got to this, you had some doubts about this film. I had hella doubts. You had some doubts about this film. Man, I had never heard of this movie before. Why are you pushing these movies on me? I was quite put out. <laughs> um, I ain't even gonna front. Uh, I'm a dick who has literally pushed a ton of movies on Brandon, but how dare you push this movie on me, good sir? I was quite put out. Um, that first con, it 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 would only have worked on an old white man. Like <laughs> like that's a movie con for your ass. Like that's not something that would happen in real life where the cop just I'm undercover and all that. But it it played out well for '92. Um, and it did set the scene well as far as who's in their party, who's in their group, who's who's down for the con, and who isn't. Um, and it also set up the um, desires and mindset of the uh, white dude that they were conning, the uh, the businessman that they were conning. Um, so I thought that it was done well. I can't I can't really argue it or 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 say that. You know, I can't make up any jokes about it. I, I thought that it was, it worked. Did you think it was a believable con, Shante? Sure. I mean, I, it, I think, I think it played on the idea that here's this white man who sees, you know, a black man in authority kind of thing and just thinking like, okay, this is fine. This is, this is perfect. Like just not second guessing it. And also, and even not even necessarily just being just being a black man and a white man. I think a lot of people, if you as a con artist come across as confident, the other person in their turmoil will go with it because they're already freaked out anyway. They're not, you know, uh, in their right mind enough to second guess anything. They just want to get out of the situation that they're in. They see you saying that they can get them out of this situation and they just go with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I like the funniest part was when he's like, um, <laughs> when he's like, um, there's a fourth person. Remember, there's a fourth person. Yeah. <laughs> and the guy's looking like it, at that point, that's what I was like, okay, you kind of pulling it too far because he got to look at oh. like, how you know it's a fourth person. But he kept falling for it. But uh, at the end of the film, one of the end of these shows, one of the things that we always did, Rashani always ask us is like, what didn't age well? And I just had to get this out of the beginning. Phone sex, um, call lines definitely <laughs> didn't age well. Like I remember those, but like I haven't seen it in the movie in a while. But like, uh, like that was a thing. <laughs> like people would literally call people and pay like two dollars a minute to like have some woman like talk sexy to you and then you in your mind envision what this woman looks like in your head and get off and in 2020 that's like such a foreign thing like that's just such a thing that seems like a, a relic of the past but was it replaced by OnlyFans yes mm-hmm. but at least OnlyFans you get to like see the person yeah I'm just saying like it it's it progressed into and you know what actually quiet is kept there is still um sex lines yep. get out of here yeah they're yes. still out there no yes yes like i follow someone who used to do it like here in the last like few what? years she mm-hmm. used to she used to do it and if you google i mean like i've seen it since like early 2000s well not early 2000s like early 2010s and stuff 
that people were still do like what is night flirt that's what it is it's night night flirt that's a real thing and you can like do you know it's like they have video i think maybe they do maybe they don't but i think i know you definitely Ah. it's still like voice instead of video wow that that, i think that is still an option you've got to have a particular kink in 2020 to like still phone sex you know what i mean like even if it's like with your significant other at this point you got skype you got google hangouts you got facetime you got tango you got whatsapp you got like all these things where you can just click the video button and see but i don't know maybe that's just me I would think Maybe that it key. might be. Le- I would think it's le- it, in some cases it might be less about seeing it and more about the connection that you are trying to that you're thinking you're getting between you and this person. You know that it's like you know where you cheat. You can call her. You know you can call up whoever. She's like, hey baby, how you been? All that kind of shit that might not necessarily. You might not necessarily get. With, well, not that you wouldn't get it on video, but it may not. That may not be the focus. It may not be about the visual. It may be about you can call somebody up while you're sitting in your office and say like, "Hey, what's up?" You know, and she can talk to you like she's your girlfriend, like the girlfriend experience or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, how convincing was Cheryl Lee Ralph at this job? <laughs> she was playing Inga, man. Like, not at all. Like, <laughs> come on, bro. Like, she's not speedish. And, I mean, one thing that has happened since this movie came out is this great show on Netflix that I am going to recommend to people called Norseman. Um, It's a great comedy. Y'all should really check it out. But they're in Sweden. They're in Norway. And they're talking. And they don't sound nothing like she was trying to sound. Like, that was so stereotypical of what we thought Swedish women sounded like for 92 um and when she popped up and said you thought i was vinga you thought i was inga but i'm really this like you thought she was latinx like i know i I wasn't paying attention (laughs) like like that's how bad no that's how bad the accent was you thought she was latinx yeah that's what i thought the accent was (laughs) (laughs) but no she was supposed to be swedish yeah i'm i'm swedish and my name is inga that was pretty bad. Um, but the, what happens next is Eddie tries to escape because he basically goes because you know he's a you know he's an old rich white man so he you know of course he knows the police chief and so he's like oh let me go talk to the chief and then Eddie dips out. But this is the part that one of the reasons why um, our professor shows this film and this is a little small part that really doesn't have any consequences that much to the film. But there Eddie's like hiding out and he's listening to these two congressmen talk. Um, and it's the one congressman who dies uh, fucking his assistant, which is hilarious. Um, and he's like, oh, I think I'm going to retire. And he was like, I get to keep like a certain percentage of my money. I just, I'm grandfathered in. And that is like, an, it was an actual rule like until 1989. Um, that was an actual like law where like you could keep a certain percentage of your campaign money that you could spend on personal expenditures. Um, that you have left over. And so a lot of people, you know, because then that, but that just led to corruption because then you just fundraise as much as you fucking want, spend what you need, and the rest is yours. <laughs> and so they ended that shit around, you know, a little bit before this film, but that was actually a real thing 
And I think there was a, I, I remember reading about this in college. There was like some Democratic congressman in Florida who actually, like this, around this time, got caught up in this shit um, and ended up going to jail. Uh, so I think that was a play on that uh, during that time, which I thought was interesting. But they had a lot of that in this film. Um, and so, yeah, then we see the congressman, uh, <laughs> he dies having sex with his assistant, um, which is like, out of ways that like, for that woman, right? Can you think of anything more miserable than having sex with an old white man and then that old white man dies while inside of you? Like yeah. I can't oh think of anything God. worse. I, I could yeah, think but... of something worse for her at that at that age. Um not getting paid because after she left out the at the funeral, the wife was like, Yeah, um I'm gonna I'm gonna take his stuff, but I can't do you the way that he did you <laughs> like you're gonna, <laughs> you're gonna work for me but i can't do you the way that he did you or something yeah. like that like something snarky that just said that we know that you're hit like y'all were having an affair and but she ended up getting a promotion she ended up working yeah. for the chairman mm -hmm. so yeah. it came out on top for her but i don't know if that's i mean i guess that's worth it maybe but that just sounds like a terrible time that just sounds like a terrible terrible time um, it's not like he's she's fucking Cory Booker. Like this dude was like Mitch McConnell. Like I, I don't know about I don't, that. I don't even know. If, okay, I'm not gonna say that. But I will <laughs> say that it, I will say that it was. I, it's funny to see. Uh, for people who don't know, the the congressman who dies on top of his assistant is James Garner, who mm -hmm. is the who the only thing I can think of right now is he's the the guy, the old man in the Notebook. So. Uh, yeah, I've never seen the notebook. Yeah, he so so Noah dies on top of his assistant, just to let you know. <laughs> yes. So then um he was listening to that and then he goes back home and his grandma kind of rings him out for like being a kind man or whatever. Um and then he which, comes Which is Granny's job. That that is yes. her job to a science. Yes. And she's like, you even got your cousin being on phone sex lines? <laughs> My uh, Eddie was being Inga this time uh, on that phone call. Yeah, and He was like, more convincing than Cheryl was. Like, as you sit there and listen to all these people play Inga, that was not a good con, bro. That was a con where they were probably like, that shit worked? <laughs> that worked? Like, worked? Okay, so uh, what do we do next? We don't know. This never actually worked before. Um, apparently he wants Inga to come to his house and, and gosh, the stuff that they said that he wanted her to do was quite, <laughs> quite salacious. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was, when you asked that question earlier, like, do you think that that should have worked? No, no, I don't. So then Eddie comes up with this great idea. He's like, oh, you know, I'll run for Congress. And he's like, well, you got to get on the ballot. You got to get these signatures. And he's like, I can't get these signatures. So he ends up going to this party, this like independent party that kind of already had a ballot spot. And he goes, you know what? That congressman just died. My name is Johnson. My middle name is Jefferson. Why don't I just go by Jeff Johnson? And people will think I'm him. And I saw that and I said, this in a lot of small towns, would a hundred percent work. This would a hundred percent work. I was live tweeting this and somebody said this was such a Florida thing. And I was like, yes, that is absolutely a Florida thing in real life. Um, 
What were you going to say, Shanta? Do you think this could actually work in real life? Oh, yeah, definitely. Just you know, well, one of the scenes, you know, when they're when it's the actual time to vote and the guy asks whoever he's with, like, who did we vote for last time? Oh, we mm -hmm. voted for, and the person's like, oh, we voted for Johnson. And that's it. And that's nothing. There's nothing else to think about. There's, we voted for Johnson. There's Johnson on the ballot. Not even thinking that it could possibly be someone else. Mm -hmm. Like it told, I think it could totally work. I think it could, it could, I mean, I think it could work now, depending on what, the, you know, depending on the race and whatever, you know, depending on the place, but the shit could happen now. And even without race, like people don't, yes. I mean, now with the, with the, if you look at the election guide, yeah, they might have a picture of somebody inside of the election guide that shows like, oh, he's black. Never mind. We don't know this. We don't, this ain't my nigga. Um, but if there's no picture on it and y'all got the same name, like you said, I don't even have to give it a second thought. Like, yo, I have voted. I'm in Cali. I voted for Diane Feinstein every time I got a chance. Mm -hmm. Not because I particularly liked her. The motherfucker was family legacy. Like we all voted for Diane Feinstein. And so when she left and it was like, okay, who's the next nigga we gonna vote for? Okay, we're all, we go to my mom's house and we sit down and we open up that election guide and we go through all of the, um, all of the, 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 guidelines they're coming up with and all the 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 uniform clauses and all the stuff that we're voting for this year and we really go through step by step and look at them all and then we go through all the people who are running for office and when it got back to the people that we voted for before we didn't even talk about it we we're just like oh yeah they're a shoe in and i think mm -hmm. everybody in the area is like oh yeah that person's a shoe in their legacy um yeah, this is definitely not a race thing because it's more likely to happen somewhere where the same result happens over and over. So, like, you know, there's swing cities and swing towns and swing states in this country, but a lot of places are the same. California in the last 20 years is California. And so if you're a Democrat running, there's a very, very high chance you're that you're going to win. Uh, right. So if I just, if the Democrat dies and I haven't had the same name and you put me on the ballot as Democrat, you're going to win. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you go right. win. Right. Um, when I said when I said race, I was talking about like the the, the type political of race. Oh, political yeah, yeah, race. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My bad. Yeah, yeah. So like I thought that was I and it was actually quite brilliant if you are if you're being honest cuz and it was so ratchet because then he he goes to his uh to the widow's house and he tries to get all the old campaign stuff talking about I'm going to make a um museum for your uh deceased husband. And the widow is trying to fuck Eddie Murphy uh, yes. in that meeting, which is hilarious <laughs> because you know he was—he knows she knew he was doing all that shit, right. uh, and so she was getting her own shit. She was fucking the pool boy. She was fucking the butler, like all that type of shit. And um, he ain't got no problem with fucking old women, Lady right, Eloise. Right, Lady right, right. That's exactly what I thought of. They're like, here's Eddie Murphy being propositioned by an older woman again. Right. That must have <laughs> happened to him in real life. It had to happen to him in real life, and so for him to put it in these movies. I feel like he should have turned the same look, year. I feel like he should have turned and looked at the screen and said, "Oh, same old, same old." <laughs> Boomerang was 92, Rashani. So it was the same year as this. Something that had to happen for this to be in both movies. I don't think that's a coincidence. Uh, yeah. It was like, hey, can we put it in where an old woman propositions me? Don't ask me why. It's just a thing that I do in all of my movies. 
They all want me. So okay. he ends up winning, and um, he takes Shirley, Ralph, and uh, who was the black dude that was on his team? Um, Gravelly voice dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they they go to Washington, and uh, they roll up in Washington, and they get in the nigger section of uh, the Capitol. Um, so basically, they <laughs> the ladies like first of all, Della Reese makes it into this movie. Yeah. Uh, she's the elevator uh, attendant, and apparently Eddie's boy grabs her ass, and she's like, "You grabbing my ass already, Congressman?" And he's like, "No, I'm not grabbing your old ass." She's like, "You don't want to grab? I don't got an ass good enough for you to grab." And I'm like, "Dollar Reese is so great." So clearly, yeah. they had some good connections from Hollow Nights, and she he got her in this film, although she wasn't credited in this film, which is kind of fucked up. Oh. Uh, I really but, wish that they had examined that. Uh, that role further where her and uh, old buddy who was in on the con, and I never really got what his name was because he was just old buddy. (laughs) Um, But if they had actually taken time out to establish that relationship between the two of them, I think that would have been kind of sweet. I would have liked to have seen that. Well, here's the thing. I saw, I worked at a university in Washington, D.C. that has like a big, um, like one of their biggest degrees is political science, like politics. And so um, a lot of my student staff were politics majors and they interned on the Hill, like a lot of them, men and women. Like, yeah, they're men and women interned on the Hill. And so I would talk to some of the my women uh, college staff and they would tell me stories about like, not nothing, luckily nothing happened to them, but like, their people that they're working with, like the staff members on the stuff or former staff members, they would just hear these things. And things like that is just like what happens in Congress. Like you work on the elevator, you're going to get felt up. <laughs> and it's fucked up. But she kind of like was just like, oh, my ass not good enough because I'm, I'm sure it just happened to her so much that it was just like part of the job. Um, yeah. Which is sad in a yeah. lot of ways, but this, but the scene was funny, so it, it can kind of be both in that in this particular sense. Um, <laughs> but she tells him like, "Oh, the elevator only goes up to the fourth floor. Your office on the fifth floor." I'm like, "God damn, they got a niggas only section in 1992." He gets up to this <laughs> office; it's terrible. Like, well, it wasn't really well. Of- it wasn't really a niggas only section. It was because he didn't come to <laughs> the draft. When they were passing out uh, yeah. uh, placement, he didn't come because he didn't have the information because he didn't have a fucking administrative assistant. <laughs> so he got the bottom of the barrel. That's what happened. And then the administrative assistant, yeah, right when he goes up there, he's waiting on him. And he's basically like, yeah, I sent you this stuff. You ain't read it. And so he's basically conning him to get a job. So mm-hmm. here's the thing. The first time I saw this, I was like, oh, this is going to be a good fit. He got him a nice, con white boy to work for him. That's going to be a good fit. I didn't think that the white boy was going to turn on him. But like in 2020, because I forgot that he turned on him, when I first saw him, I was like, oh, he's going to turn on him. But when I first mm-hmm. saw this, like when I, when I was in college and I first saw this, I didn't think he was going to turn on him because I thought he found somebody like him there. Um, but did y'all, did y'all know, did y'all think, oh, this ain't going to be good. This white dude is going to turn on him. No, not because... not at first, not at for some you know even I mean it's been forever since I had seen it and I honestly forgot that that was the the point where or well, that guy 
was the person that was helping the other guys fuck with Eddie Murphy. So then we meet Dick Dodge. Dick Dodge is like uh, first two Lindsay. rules of a uh, dodgeball. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dick Dodge is the senior uh, congressperson from Florida. He's the chairman of the powers in um, uh, what was it? Called? Industry uh, powers and industry committee. He's basically like uh, Kevin McCarthy in Congress. Like he's like a dude that's been there forever. Got a lot of power. Um, and he basically tells Eddie, like, listen, I just want to know what you're about. Um, and Eddie is, Eddie comes back, and, well, Thomas Jefferson comes back, he's basically like, I need to get on that committee. Uh, and he ends up kind of his way on to the powers and industry committee by essentially shaming them with, <laughs> he and his crew called up, like, members of the Urban League and the local black, I mean, the local NAACP chapter, and it's just like, you got any blacks on your committee? You, know, you got any black women on your committee? You got any gays on your committee? You got any Latin people on your committee? And basically shames them so he knows that he's going to come to him and ask him to be on this committee as like a token personality because he heard that that committee get the most uh, fundraising money and donations to get rich. Um, Rashani, when you, when you saw this scene, did you think, did you find it to be funny and good that you were like, oh, this shit is too real for me? Well, first like, I, of all, first of all, when I um, first saw this whole part with Dick Dodge and uh, them calling in, acting like the NAACP and, and all these other uh, offices, the first thing I thought about Dick Dodge was because, again, I just saw this last week. That nigga reminds me of Donald Rumsfeld like a <laughs> <laughs> Like, if you watch Vice... Dick Dodge is Donald Rumsfeld in a, in a hat. Like, yo, it is so just eerie. I, I swear that's who he tried to be uh, in this movie. And he did it to a T, like just playing the role, playing the field, uh, playing people against each other. He did everything wonderfully. Um, but yeah, the scene with them saying, yeah, we're from this office and this office. Do you have this on your group? Do you have gay, gay people? Do you have this, that, and the third? I thought it was played out perfectly. Like, yo, if we're already pulling, if we're thinking we got to pull off a long con in order to get into this office, this should be nothing to us. And initially when they got into the office, it seemed like their idea was to con their way into money. And then, like I said, they found out we ain't got to do that shit. We ain't got to fool nobody. They want to give us their money. These people are literally, we're heroes to some of these folks. So, how do we take advantage of this? Mm-hmm. You know what's funny? Um, we've done all these Eddie Murphy movies, and, and like they had a scene fingers. in here. That, well, yeah, we didn't do both fingers. They had a scene in here where um, he's going to Dick Dodge's room late at night for a nightcap, and he's like, "Oh, we don't know homo shit, are we?" And then he's like, "No," and he was like, "All right, cool," and then he went away. And like for the time, like I said this throughout this whole month. There's been a lot of opportunities to go really super homophobic in these films that we've watched, and it never went like all the way there, like other films in um, during that time. It wouldn't be good for today, but looking mm-hmm. back on it in hindsight in 1992, for that just to be a throwaway line, and then 
for like him to bring like gay people up in his call for like mm-hmm. representation on the committee. That was like surprising for me to see in 2024 film in 1992. And so I don't know what Eddie Murphy had to, do, you know, if he had something to do with these things. Cause remember uh, Rashani in life, right? You had um, Miguel Nunez's character in mm-hmm. there and they never like, you know, they made some jokes and laughed at him, right? But it wasn't like outright just like shaming. He was still part of the crew. But uh, I mean, like, Eddie has never, uh, even when even when he's writing it, I don't think Eddie. Well, no, wait, never mind. He fucking did the yeah. lyrics and raw. Yeah, never mind. Yeah. Like, <laughs> never mind. Like the, yeah, I'm yeah, shocked yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm yeah. shocked but, too. <laughs> but, right, but it, it's possible that maybe by then. He was, he had, like, he hadn't completely, I, I thought he eventually apologizes, but I don't know if that was in the 90s for mm-hmm. Raw and Delirious and how he, you know, portrayed homosexual people and everything and using the F word and, and all that different kind of stuff in his, in his comedy, in his early comedy and everything. But mm-hmm. perhaps at that point, he was moving away from it. Because mm-hmm. using know, the F word in a black movie in the late 80s, early 90s was not uncommon. It wasn't right. uncommon at all, but we didn't hear the F word in any of these films that we done for Eddie Murphy this month. Uh, this yeah, this month. So I just thought that was interesting um, from that perspective. Um, so he ends up getting on the Power Industry Committee, and then he, you get the montage of basically him going through the life of a congressman. So he's getting approached by all these business people. They want to have fundraisers and luncheons, and fundraising dinners and meetups. The funniest part to me, and I wanted to hear what you two thought about this, but the funniest part to me was when he meets with the NRA white people and they uh, they want to go duck hunting with some semi-automatic weapons. And, oh, he, and he's just standing there. He's not even shooting. He, and, the, and the white dude's like, yeah, you know, they say semi-automatic weapons are just for drug dealers and criminals, but we think the common sportsman should be able to mm-hmm. use them. And they roll up to this lake to go shooting the ducks. And none of, they miss. <laughs> they're shooting a semi-automatic weapon in the air and miss like 50 ducks flying in the air. With and they AR-15s, hit, yes. AR-15s. Yep. I thought that was so brilliant about gun control and how ridiculous it is that a sportsman thinks they would need an AR-15. And for night. That you could put that scene, you could cut that exact scene and put it in any TV show or movie in 2020 that talks about politics, and it would fit in. It would be funny today. It would fit in, and it would be um, pertinent to today's discussion about gun laws. And so I thought that was um, great. But uh, Shantae, was there anything that stood out to you about his um, that whole montage of him meeting different uh, special interest groups? Well, it wasn't so much the special interest groups. It was the part where he was supposed to go vote and he sees the field, the kid, the field trip kids and everything. And, you know, the lady's like, oh, did you just vote? You know, the teacher, did you vote? What was the vote on? And he doesn't know what the vote is on. But then there's two other dudes who come out and they still don't, they still are kind of like not quite sure. Like it's a, you know, it's a motion on the rule, on the this, on the that, which I thought, that was funny because it wasn't just you know because it's easy to think oh here's eddie murphy and he's unclear what's going on because this isn't even really his job kind of thing but even these other motherfuckers 
might not know what's going on either. That they're just kind of just pressing, they might just be pressing buttons or the shit is just kind of convoluted and who knows, you can't really explain it and everything. But then it was funny when he was basically talking to the kids and basically, you know, saying like, you know, it's going to be, you know, whatever lunch they want, whatever thing they want. And they was at the end, yay! You know, like, yeah, they're going to vote for Jeff Johnson. When they he said, 18. I want you to have to do less homework so you can get home yeah. and watch all your favorite TV shows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was great. Uh, so sometime during this time, uh, we meet um, um, Victoria uh, Royal's character, Celia Kirby, who's a pro bono lawyer. Yeah. Um, so, Rashani, what did you think about uh, Miss Kirby and what uh, what she wanted? She How she didn't give Eddie Murphy any play that first time meeting. Yo, I like the fact that she closed out by saying, yeah, we also need to discuss sexual harassment by congressmen. <laughs> you punk bitch. <laughs> like, you're pushing up on me a little bit too hard. Let's talk about what we can do to you. I thought that, um, I think that the role that she played was never, how's the best way to put this? In the 90s and now, there is such an ease in denigrating and downplaying black women in movie roles. Uh, they could have made her obnoxious or loud or any other stereotype that was floating around in the early 90s and it would have been looked at as acceptable. Um, but instead they made her like a wizard at her job um, it made her extremely competent in all forms of uh, of office. Like, she was brilliant. Um, and I think that the role that they had her play, I don't know, she was like, yo, you're going to have to fix this script in order for me to take this role. But I think the role was perfect for Victoria. Um, I think that it played out wonderfully for her. I think she did an excellent job. What did you think, Sante? Yeah, I think she she was great. I think I do wonder. It did seem like for her to be so. Uh, I don't fuck with you, in the beginning, mm-hmm. but then eventually, you. but the, yeah, it seemed eventually it almost seemed like they were living together. Like mm-hmm. instead of him going home to his apartment or wherever he lived, he was. It seemed like he was going home to her. You know, like they had moved in together at, you know, further into the movie. And it seemed like that happened quick. But I mean, it's a movie. Shit moves fast. But just she was very much like, nah, I ain't fucking with you, nigga. And and then eventually it's just like, okay, y'all playing house now. Like, okay, that's that's cool. <laughs> I don't fuck with you until now. <laughs> and go. <laughs> you I, did think, I, did, I did think one of the one of the lines and it was very it was very much an Eddie Murphy line where he was like are all the po- are all the pro bonets as fine as you like that was <laughs> that was funny and it was just it was very Eddie Murphy like if you told me that that wasn't in the script and Eddie Murphy came up came up with that I would totally believe it cuz that is that is an Eddie Murphy line so then we find out that they they uh, they end up going oh their their first date she's like he comes like can I take you out on a dinner for dinner and or for a date like so, so Saturday night or something she's like how about Sunday morning? And he's like, oh, brunch? And then they cut to him and they're at church. And I was like, listen, I'm it not It wasn't brunch. What he was thinking was, we fucking? <laughs> <laughs> what I'm you mean, breakfast? To... We, we fucking? <laughs> nah, I'm, not trying to... church? <laughs> I'm not trying to church shame, but let me tell you something. If my first date was church on a Sunday morning, I would probably be disappointed too. I'm not going to lie. 
You better be grateful that she's bringing you before the Lord and her (laughs) fellowship to meet you, nigga. Plus, if you fall asleep, she's gonna just walk out without you. Like, like that's that's a real test. If you if you fall asleep in service, I know that there's been times that I was trying to impress somebody and I couldn't keep my eyes open, and I ended up smelling my own balls during service because I fell asleep with my head between my legs. Um, like I didn't even sit with my, I didn't even lean my head back when I fell asleep. Somehow, I think I swear my brother pushed me. This is another little thing of mine. It's a little uh, blurb of mine. I swear my brother pushed me from behind while I was asleep, and so my head went down and I was out. But my head was all the way in my lap. Somebody told me later that they they said I was looking for uh, trouser salmon. Um. And I didn't understand that for a long time, but apparently it just meant they thought that that my dick smelled like fish. I I didn't get that then either. But but with a girl, fell asleep, face forward, fell out, got tapped because my grandma, who's a deaconess in the church, saw me sleeping, head between legs, walked up to me, tapped me, and I knew I was getting my ass whipped on the way home. This was when I was 14 years old, ladies and gentlemen. First, gr- first girlfriend was a church girlfriend. Fell asleep, had between the legs. So they go to church, and you find out uh, one of the people that was trying to get some legislation passed that he ran into earlier when he first got to Congress was her uncle, who was the pastor of this church, who was played by Charles Dutton, Elijah Hawkins. Mr. Elijah Hawkins. That does sound like a, like a pastor name. Elijah mm-hmm. Hawkins, and so um, damn his name really was Mr. Hawkins. Was Mr. Hawkins, <laughs> and so Eddie has to deal with that, and so then comes like uh, I guess the the turning point of it. It's like the end of the third act. It's like this was the end wait of the wait wait act. before you get to the before you get to the, the third act of this. I do want to say that I didn't like Rock's character initially. I was confused by it initially. Because he was treating Eddie Murphy like shit from Jump Street. Mm-hmm. He was very aggressive. Yeah. And it seemed like it was because they were the two black guys. But then it turned out that it was because he was, he because Eddie was fucking with Dick Dodge. But he didn't know that back then. Not like that. For him to be that much of a dick, it was just like, dude, like, that you ain't doing this right. This ain't how you act to new people. And so he was... um he was there and um oh that's not what I was gonna say. I was gonna say so then the turn kind of the turning point in this film happens because Eddie's just riding high, making a bunch of money, doing all the being his true kind way, kind of shit out of everybody, making money, just saying yes to every fundraiser that happens, not saying no to anything. And so then um one of his constituents shows up. It's the woman and their uh son, uh and her son. And the, I forgot what happened to this. So when I first saw this, I was like, oh, this is the first Karen in movie history. Because uh, she was. <laughs> oh, right. It was, I think it was her daughter, though. That's, I think she was a girl. She's a little oh, girl. Yeah, she was a little was, girl. It was a little yeah, girl. She's okay, a little, yeah, it was a little girl. But and yeah, definitely like, the first Karen. Yes, because she, she Karened up. Like the yes. mom was like, whoo. She turned it up all the way to like 20. Out of nowhere. I am a constituent. Do mm-hmm. I need to be more than that? I need to speak to our congressman. They physically removing her from the office. Eddie Murphy rolls in, bumps into the little girl, knocks the head off. You find out that it was a wig and that she was actually balding because she had cancer. 
And so she, he goes, you know, let me t- find out what's happening. And so you kind of find out that, like, there's a school and a playground under these giant power lines in his district. And that uh, the theory is that there's a bunch of kids that's uh, catching cancer from that. Uh, getting Not catching cancer, but uh, getting cancer from that. Um, and so Eddie kind of, at this point, he try he he calls in Curb, uh, uh, Cecilia, uh, Miss Kirby, uh, Celia Kirby, and is like asking him, like, is this real? Is like this, you know, is this something that's real? And so he he develops a little bit of a conscience, and he goes to Dick Dodge, and Dick Dodge does the Congress thing, the politics thing. It's like, oh, we'll look into, you know, she he puts he has a press conference where he's talking about her and gets her to take pictures, and we're gonna look into this thing. And then they meet and close doors, and Eddie's like, "Oh, I thought you said he was gonna meet, look into this." And he's like, "Oh, we're gonna—I mean, we're gonna look into it, but I'm not gonna actually do shit. I'm just gonna look into it." <laughs> yeah, he said. I think at that part, I think he says, "I wrote it down." It was like sound bites aren't sworn testimony. Yes, yes. Yeah. And I'm like, that is that's so yeah. perfect. Yeah, that is so perfect. That's exactly like what happens oftentimes. Uh, in Congress, and that's exactly what people think of Congress, right? So, like, a lot of people don't vote, and a lot of people don't participate because they think that it's all like this. And so, I thought this film did a good job of showing that it's like this, but it's also people who do care. And the balance is maybe it's it's not equal, but it's there. Like, there are people mm-hmm. who do like try to care. So, uh, then they pull this con. This part I was a little bit confused of. I think I had to. I think like the the doorbell rang or something like this. So maybe one of you two can fill me in on this part. So I looked up and Eddie Murphy was dressed up in like a hazmat suit. I don't, mm. re- I don't, what was this kind that he was pulling? I know eventually okay. it was the, what happened? I think in that part, the whole point was to make Dick Dodge and everybody else think that something was going to happen and that he needed, you know, so he, he's telling people, oh, well, this particular thing is going to have, you know, this uh, testimony or this meeting or something is going to happen. So he goes to the EPA and gets the head EPA dude out. And so, and then he pretends to be the EPA dude when Dick Dodge calls to continue the con, to continue Dick Dodge thinking that this thing is going to happen Mm -hmm. until it eventually shows up. But he's basically using this ruse to get them to reveal other shit. Okay. Yeah, so then uh, he's got like the the businessman in there and they go into the, the hearing and he makes this big ass scene like oh, why don't we tell the people about what y'all were just talking about because y'all just had a meeting and I'm sure y'all want to talk about these power lines and this and everything. So like I'm sure and, I, and we just happen to have it on tape. I think the whole world should see this shit. And Dick Dodge is trying to adjourn this fucking meeting. He's trying to get out of there. He calls a recess. They go in the back. The business dude is flipping the fuck out. Just fucking. Mm-hmm. I gave you money. I gave you this. I gave you that. You turn on me like this. Dick Dodge is like, do you think I'm a moron? Like, you owe, you owe me. You think I'm a turn on you? He's like, no. This dude, I thought he was going to call him a jigaboo. Because every movie, <laughs> every movie me and Rashani watched with Eddie Murphy this month, there was a line where it was either Jig or Jigaboo in it. Every single one. So that must be one of Eddie's favorite racial slurs. Uh, so I thought that was coming, but it didn't come. 
And he was like, uh, you know, nobody will see this video as long as you do this. And then they wrestled a video from him. And there's nothing on it. It's like uh, Cheryl Lee Ralph doing phone sex or whatever. Yeah, the commercial, <laughs> so like, the phone sex commercial. He's like, we don't even have shit. And the business, but this part was a particular too, to like what Shantae was talking about earlier is the businessman was like, well, you already promised you were going to do something. And then Dick Dodge was like, I don't mean I don't have to do it. Watch this. <laughs> and I'm like, yo, this shit is so devious. <laughs> It's so devious. And he comes back out there and he tries to flip the script on Eddie uh, and says, well, this is just a con, man. He's been arrested for this, 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 and this. Mm-hmm. And then Eddie was like, yeah, so? And then he gets up and he's like, yeah, this was me. And then he has to do, basically, he had set the camera up when he took the, the tape out with another tape to record that whole conversation that was just happening that we just talked about. Mm-hmm. And so they put that on the TV uh, and it's sideways. Everybody does the lean, which I yeah, thought was gotta, funny. Yeah, that was funny. And so then the dude even turns the television like sideways, which was quite funny. And and then they put it on uh, C-SPAN, whatever, and then everybody across the country is watching it, which I thought was funny because they made it seem like a bunch of people just watch C-SPAN, which I mean, I guess a bunch of people do watch C-SPAN, but not like that. Like it was like it's the OJ trial. Like, I mean, the OJ chase where the, the whole world was watching um, but yeah, so then he basically has this change of heart. And do y'all think he became a legitimate congressman after this for like the rest of his career? That? Or do you think like, that was just a one moment of like consciousness? Like his, 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 uh, his, his road is paved for him at this point in time. Like, like he said at the end, shit, I'm my game's already been found out out here. I'm gonna go ahead and run for president. Like, I'm black. I helped out some white folks. I flushed out, uh, uh, what's it called? I flushed out uh, evil wrongdoers. I don't even know what the word is. Corruption. Uh, corruption, thank you. Yes. In, in office. Um, I did it at risk of my own life. Um, I, I say the little girl who has cancer. I said other people have cancer. We're going to turn this all around. I'm running for president. He didn't stay in Congress. He got paid while he was there. Yeah. But after that, he was like, I'm still taking this name and I'm going to Congress. Or I'm going to run for presidency. Yeah. So we did skip over one part that I forgot about. Um, it was when uh, Elijah Hawkins tells Dick Dodge that he's going to run uh, against him for chair for speaker of the house. Yeah. And so this was the one part that I didn't get in this film. It was like, is there no Democrats and Republicans? Like it just seemed like everybody was the same. No, I don't. I don't think I. I do. I was just thinking about that as we've been talking about it. That there really wasn't any party politics. That you didn't know if anyone was a Republican or a Democrat or anything. It was just that here's these guys, and that's it. So I don't know. I mean, it almost seems like a good choice, like a good cinematic choice, because I think if you you could, if you say like, oh, they're Democrats, then people are going to be like, well, they're Democrats, nah. you know, and if you say that they're Republicans, other people will be like, ah, see, they're Democrats, look at those Republicans, you know, but this was more about the collective body, that it could, they could be anybody. And here's the thing, at that time in 19, like people today try to make the both sides argument, and it's not that valid in, in 2020. Uh, sure. Not to say that Democrats are perfect, but there's a clear difference between the left and the right in 2020. 
But in 1992, that line was definitely a lot more blurred. Like it was oh, definitely yeah. more blurred back then. And there, and so the both sides uh, narrative is something that it, that was like if people were if Twitter was around in 1992, and people were like, you know, I can't vote for Dukakis or Bush because both sides are the same. That's a lot more valid than with Trump. You know what I mean? <laughs> sure. So, sure. Like it, yeah, it told that told I mean, but I think that I think the whole thing with them kind of being with everything being blurred then, people carry that with them now. And that's why it doesn't make any like it did make like you said, it did make sense, but it doesn't anymore. But it's like people won't let those previous thoughts go. Right. which makes it hard to talk to them because it's just like, yeah, this made sense, you know, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, when, yeah, they could all chop it up and, you know, ha- you know, be in the back rooms and talk to each other. And, you know, it's like, it's okay. Well, not that it's okay, but it makes sense that it wasn't as contentious then right. as it is now. But then when you see them also, they're still kind of chopping it up with each other, even though it's as contentious as it is. It's just like, oh, this is gross. Like, how could you hang out with this person and you up here telling me that you care about this, but here's this other person over here who don't care about this, but now you're telling me that y'all went out and got drinks before. That's fucked up. Y'all tripping, you know. Right. It's the legit kind. Uh, it's the, that's why Eddie Murphy said everything that these people, everything I did is fucked up, but everything these people did was even more fucked up, but it's considered legal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, at that moment, uh, the, uh, Elijah Hawkins was like, I'm going to run against Dick Dodge for Speaker of the House. And this nigga, did he cut his brakes? Is that what happened? He cut his brakes with Cheryl no. Ralph driving? Oh, no. No. I think, the, no, it was an accident. It was, driving, just a yeah. legit, it was a legit accident. And he used that opera like once Eddie Murphy calls uh, Dick Dodge about what happened. Dick Dodge uses that opportunity to smear uh, Elijah Hawkins. Yeah, he was like, "Don't no. worry about it. I'll take care of this. You go on to bed. Don't tell nobody what happened." And then he fucks over Mister Hawkins. Yep. Yeah, that was real dirty. Um, there's definitely clear baby faces and heels in this in wrestling terms, Rashadi. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean that's pretty much the film. This I mean the film wasn't that long. Um, was there anything else I missed, Rishani, that you wanted to talk about before we get into our superlatives? Um, I really just no, no. <laughs> Actually, no. Honestly, but I just really like the um the group that they had outside of Cheryl Lee Ralph and Armando um, and whatever the other dude's name was. I really wish that they had taken time to flesh him out further, but I know that this movie was really about what goes on in Congress, things of that nature. I just think it would have been a really interesting movie to also look at the relationships that they're having um, that the like Chi McBride, uh, to see the relationship that he has with these folks and him popping in and out, things of that nature, but it would have taken away from the whole, so I understand. Um, Shante, one of the things that we do at the end of these is we have some uh, questions that we ask uh, for each film. Uh, so we're going to start with you. Um, okay. So you can do this for 1992. Uh, no, the first thing we always ask is who's the MVP of this film? Who's the, who's the standout performer uh, of this film to you? Oh, yeah, it's Eddie. It's yeah. Eddie. It's Eddie. 
Can I ask y'all a question? Sure. Can Eddie Murphy act? Yes. Can Eddie? Yes. Yes. Let's, yes. Now let's not jump into saying yes immediately. He's a like, he great comedian. But he always plays Eddie Murphy. We get on <laughs> Leon for always playing Leon. Can Eddie Murphy act? Okay, so then I guess the question becomes, what does it mean to act? I think Eddie Murphy can convey an emotion and make an audience react the way that he wants them to react. Mm -hmm. And I think if that's the thing, then yes, Eddie Murphy can act. Because I think of him like when he's like when dream, in Dreamgirls. Like I, like, I think there's a time where you might, depending on where you start with his career, especially if you just focus on the comedy stuff, you might think, oh, you can make motherfuckers laugh, so what? You know, but when you get into some of his dramatic stuff, he can emote, he can make people respond, he can make people sympathize, and, I, and not feel like, oh, this is some bullshit. I think you really care about the characters that he is playing, and so yes, he can act. Okay. Rashani, who was the standout MVP for you? Oh, by far it was Eddie. Um, in all facets. Like, this was his movie to either lift or ruin, and he lifted it. I'm not going to lie. I thought it was Lane Smith, Dick Dodge. Because he was close. Mm, I thought sure. that dude played uh, corrupt as old white man congressman to a t Like, that is the like you uh, like that is the stereotypical like what you think a corrupt long-term been in congress 20 years 25 years congressman with how he would act he's got a bunch of power he goes home he drinks his scotch he's got this elaborate home he's doing all types of corrupt shit fundraisers running shit behind the scenes politics conniving like all of that was all he did all of that so convincingly it's like i always say this about michael rucker like Michael Rucker plays a racist so good that like I think he's racist, even though I hear he's a great guy. He's not. Like, he's a racist. <laughs> and that, I think exactly. Exactly. Is Michael, like, wait, no, is no, Michael no. Rucker? Oh no, Michael, Michael Rucker. Sorry, I thought you said Michael Rappaport. Sorry. No, Michael oh. Rucker is the dude. Michael Rucker is the dude who played uh, Yondu. Yondu. Oh, that's, that's what I thought. Yeah. No, he's good yeah, people. What... Sorry, I thought I said yeah. Michael Rappaport. He's a good Sorry. dude, but he he's played racist in a lot of roles. Yes. And he plays him so well that you think this dude has to be a racist in real life. This dude played this man so well that you think this is a, a sniveling, conniving, corrupt motherfucker in real life. And whenever I whenever I can't separate that, uh, like Stringer Bell and The Wire, mm. Um, mm. is when I know you're a good actor or actress, is when mm -hmm. I think you're that person in real life. Um, sure. But Eddie was great. Uh, okay, Shante. So uh, you can do this for in '92 and in today. So, who do you think could have played Thomas Jefferson Johnson better in 1992, if anybody? And then, if they remade the film today, who do you think could play that role? I sh actually struggled with this, and it just like I couldn't think of anybody for '92. I just I just didn't think of anybody for '92. But I almost think, and I can't think of this kid's name, but. Now the uh, the sidekick in Roll Bounce, not obviously not Bow Wow, but his his homie Mouth, whoever, whatever. I think he's uh, Brandon. I can't. Yes. Uh, Brandon T. Jackson. Yes, there you go. That him could be 
could possibly play this role. That was somebody that just popped into my head just now that maybe he could do something like this. Okay. Rashadi? I'm still going to say either Jesse T. Usher or else the the nigga from um, Superbad, or not Superbad, but Superfly. (laughs) The dude who played Priest? Yes. You think he could do a comedy role like this? He does comedy on um, on Grownish. Grownish, yes, he does. Yeah, so he can pull it off. I think he's funny, um, and I think he'd be able to. He has the looks and be able to pull off playing a con man because he played a pimp already. Why not? <laughs> I think Jamie Fox would have been great in twenty twenty mm. in this yes. role. Sure, I think I think he has the acting chops to pull off all the scenes, but he can play such he can play such a conceited like person really good <laughs> so I think Jamie Foxx would have uh, done well um, who do you think could have played Dick Dodge today Shante Dick Dodge oh you know maybe like uh, even though I don't think he would do it and it, I don't know he might not even be able to make it work but I feel like he's like it would be like a different kind of Dick Dodge maybe like more a swaggy Dick Dodge but uh, George Clooney okay yeah, I can see George Clooney. And he's older now, so he'd be like a statesman. He'd be able to pull that off. Yeah. What about you, Rashadi? In this time and in this age, there's only one person I think could play Dick Dodge. Smarmy. Oh, just, no. Just no. no. not to be trusted or believed no, no matter what no, he says. No. Yes. No. Only Drake could play no. Dick Dodge <laughs> the way Dick Dodge needs to be played. No. Drake? Drake. He says this every week about any suckerific <laughs> character. It's Drake. Anybody that's a sucker is Drake. Every every movie we do, he wanted oh, he wanted uh, he wanted Martin Lawrence in life to be Drake. He wanted um, what was the dude? He wanted somebody else to be Drake that we just talked about. Oh, he oh. wanted Arsenio Hall, a semi, semi to be Drake. He wanted Semi to be Drake. And now he Dick Dodge. Be, he could be Drake. Semi could be Drake. Drake, I mean, Drake could be semi. Oh, God. But Drake anyway. could be Dick Dodge if he's a younger congressman. Like, if we have Jesse T. Usher or we have uh, the dude from Superfly playing um, whatever Eddie Murphy's character's name was, honestly, uh, Jeff. Uh, but if we have him yeah. playing, then why can't Drake play Dick Dodge? I need Al Pacino to play Dick Judge. That would be dope. And be way over the top. That would be amazing. um, The Devil's Advocate. (laughs) Or Sin of a Woman. We got to do an Al Pacino month. Yeah, we got to do an Al Pacino month. But no, it was. what was that heist movie in the 90s that he was in? Heat. 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 That. Like when he was way over the top in Heat. Like that. Like that type of Al Pacino. Um, uh, My favorite actor. Uh, and uh, I'm not portraying the black race with this, but my favorite actor is Robert De Niro, and I think he could pull this off great because he can do comedy and seriousness, and he can mm-hmm. do the comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought, but yeah, Al Pacino to me just kind of stood out for this role. Um, she didn't have a whole lot of lines, but she was in the film. Uh, back in 92 and in today, who do you think could have played Loretta Hicks, Cheryl Lee Ralph's role, um, Shante? Oh, you know what? Uh, Niecy Nash. I'd say for now. Yes. Nash. Yes. 100%. Okay. 
What about you, Rashani? I agree. Yeah, I think that's perfect casting. What about 92, though? Who do you think could have played her in 92 if it wasn't Cheryl Lee Ralph? Cree Summer. Who? Cree Summer. Who? Freddie. That would be different. That would No, oh, that, that would, would be, be different because that would be different because one thing about this this particular casting and everything is like you have like granted they have Cheryl Lee Ralph and she is a dark skinned woman and she's funny and they're not really playing on any like black women stereotypes with her like she's not really snapping her neck and being you know whatever mm -hmm. or anything but they did end up giving Eddie Murphy a a lighter skin love interest so if you possibly could switch it like exactly. if you could have made her you could have made Eddie Murphy's cousin. A, a lighter skin actress and then give him a dark skin uh a, a dark skin love a love interest or maybe two maybe i mean fuck it just have two dark skin women being in the movie like mm -hmm. that totally could have been something too you know so cree summer being the cousin i mean for one cree summer could make could do the funny voices because she's a voice actress anyway so she probably could have pulled off pretending to be inga you know, playing it, you know, playing a, a bad, doing a bad Swedish accent and everything. And, you know, being who, you know, playing the role that Cheryl Lee Ralph played. So, yeah, I think, I mean, that's a, that's a surprising, but it totally makes sense kind of choice. Do you think Regina King was too young in 92 to play yes. that? Yeah. Because she was yeah. born in what, 1971? So she would have been 22? Yeah, she would have been too young to be somebody's cousin doing that type of role she would I mean she Eddie Murphy would have been way too old to be mm -hmm. her it, it wouldn't I don't think that would have worked okay all right that works uh so yeah I think that works that's a good pick Rashani uh anybody else have a significant role in this film oh um rock well yeah two more yeah so uh Victoria Rawwell uh Miss Kirby his love interest who do you think could have done that Shante then and now then and now I'm struggling. I'm trying to think now. Oh, you know what? You know who could... Okay, so now, Gabrielle Union. Yes. Then. Well, no. Yeah. No, not then. Not 92. But yeah. definitely now, Gabrielle Union. Then... Uh, shit. Oh, you know what? Then uh, maybe like... Uh, I got the perfect person. Lila, Lila Rashawn or... Leela's been in all Eddie's Murphy yeah, All Eddie's, Eddie's, you know, Eddie's movies. I know so she had Leela Sean, you know, you know, you know what? Um Angela Bassett. That also would have worked out just fine. What do you think, Rashani? Um, if it wasn't gonna be Angela Bassett, I honestly people don't give Whoopi Goldberg enough respect for the nineties, bro. Mm. Like for ninety two, Whoopi could have done that role and could have rocked it. You think um, they would cast Whoopi as a love interest in 92? Why not? That just didn't seem like the type of roles they would do for her back then. I think she could have pulled it off. But if not Whoopi, then uh, let me see. Mm. I see her face. It's the woman... Who? Hold on one second. I gotta. I gotta look at another movie real quick that we just talked about. <sighs> because so for me, yeah. While Rashani's looking that up, for me, it's Jasmine Guy. Oh, um, sure, 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 sure. Tanya I Pinkins. 
Who does she play? What movie did she in? There? She, she play, played. Right? Um, she played Kyle's mom in Above the Rim. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh okay, I know yeah. What you're talking about. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. That would have worked. Yep. And she yeah, was so, doing yep. soap operas back then. So yeah. Yeah. Yep. AJ Johnson too could have played that role. Sure. Um, but I think Jasmine Guy would have been great at that role, just playing like a lawyer, really smart lawyer type mm-hmm. person. Um, I thought Jasmine Guy would have been great. And then last major role really is Rock. Uh, Charles Dutton played Elijah Hawkins. Uh, Shante, who do you think could have done that better than in today? Hmm. Elijah, okay. Damn. I'm blanking. Give me, you guys go ahead and I'll see if I can come up with another actor because I'm blanking. Rashani? No, she's right. Back then, nobody else played indignant black man quite like Rock did. (laughs) (laughs) So, hold on. So, was Rock a big deal to y'all out in California? Because in Baltimore, it was obviously, he's from Baltimore. It took place in Baltimore. Yeah, we watched it like every week, bro. Like, that's why when we said his, when his name got said, I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) Like, Rock was a real thing for us out here. And, um, like, he, the, that nigga could judge people like nobody's business, even on his own show. <laughs> judge the fuck out of his brother. Judge the fuck out of his wife. I don't even remember much about Rock. I just remember him judging people. Uh, he got on um, Menace Society in 95 and was judging niggas. So yep. nobody judges people quite like Rock back in the 90s. Uh, but in this day and age, who can play rock? And oh, I got one. People? Go for it. Back then, Carl Winslow. Oh, okay, sure. Mm. Carl, I don't even know his real name. What is his real name? Ron, Carl Reginald Vell Johnson. Yeah, Reginald Vell Johnson. Yeah, but I, I can't. I I think it's because, and this is again unpopular opinion. I fucking hated Family Matters. <laughs> I always what? hated Family Matters. I hated it even more when Urkel became the the star of the show, but I hated Family Matters. Like it just it was just so it it was so just that whole TGIF block could kiss my ass. The only good thing about Family Matters was, you know what? No, she was too young. No, she wasn't. The wife from um, the wife from Family Matters could have played a role, or uh, Aunt Thelma could have played a role in this movie as well. Oh, Aunt Thelma, yeah. Um, sure. But I just always thought that Family Matters was just too much. Like, and then when Urkel came in, it really became too much. And then when that little girl went upstairs and never came back down, that's when I was like, "Fuck this show forever." <laughs> I think David Harwood could have played that actor today. I mean, played that role today. He's the um, the black dude from Supergirl that plays Martian Manhunter. I think Winston Duke could have done it. Winston Duke? Really? Yeah. I feel like he's too good for that role. You're really going by who's too good for roles right now, bro. Yes. I think he's too good for that role. But yeah. you're not thinking about the fact that it's a movie. Like... Yeah, I might be too good for this role, but it's a movie, and I want to be in a movie, so I'm going to do this movie. That's what you say when you ain't good. When you're good, you'd be like... I mean, the only person who don't turn that roles is Samuel L. Jackson. He says yes to everything. Samuel L. Jackson would be good in this role. 
See, that's what, I think that's who I was getting ready to say. <laughs> was like, <laughs> it's like the only person I can, you know, because I'm trying to think of somebody who's going to yell and, and kind of be indignant at somebody and judgy. And like, it's basically him. And, and also, it w- I think it would be a different toned movie, but like Denzel. I feel like could be indignant yeah. and yelling and that Very kind of thing so. that, that, that Charles S. Dutton was doing. Stringer Bell could do it too. He can definitely be indignant and unlikable. Sure. 100%. Um, I think that was all the uh, big roles in this film. Uh, Shante, was there a favorite scene or quote for you in this film? Favorite? Oh, there was there were a few. It was It was just silly shit. But like there was a part where I think he was clowning uh the the administrative assistant trying to maybe he was with uh twice and was trying to because he was like oh are you wearing a wire that's what it was the part where they were trying to uh oh, yeah <laughs> are you you know he was like with twice and like are you wearing a wire and he's like he got fire engines on his drawers this is a good man you know <laughs> <laughs> you know and just different just different things i think when eddie murphy was uh sitting with uh the original Jeff Johnson's wife trying to say where he went to school. And he, I think he said it was like the Wilson Pickett State Teachers College or something. Like that was funny. You know, that whole uh, that whole part really was like, yo, I, I love the way that your husband, like he was literally like the bootstraps conversation. And yeah. That whole part was lit, like real talk. Yeah. Yeah, um, that, yeah, that was funny, and the and the Della Reese and that 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 Della Reese scene, you know, that whole thing, yes. like you know, you won't, you know, you don't want to grab my ass, and then how it ends with the, the old gravelly voice too, was like I'll grab it, you know, that was hilarious. <laughs> I'll grab it. Eddie Murphy was like, no, I'm not saying that. I don't want to grab no old ass. She's like, what my old ass? <laughs> Eddie plays. Eddie does that so good, where he does like just a random commentary on stuff, and he does that very well. Um, Rashad, what about you? What were some of your favorite scenes or quotes from this film? I'm madder than a Baptist in a brothel, you some bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, I'm about as crazy as a dog in a hubcap factory. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. As somebody from California, I think all y'all niggas talk like this. So that was greatness. <laughs> oh, man. That was good. Mine was definitely the scene with when I'm shooting them ducks. I just thought that was so funny that all them white people just went out there and missed them damn ducks. They that's like it's such meta commentary that like the people who love guns the most can't actually shoot the guns, and that the guns don't really help you be a sportsman. Like if you want to go shoot a duck, you're gonna get yourself a shotgun and shoot the duck. You don't need an AR-15 to go shoot some ducks if you want to yeah. shoot some ducks or, or some deer. Or whatever. So like I just find that to be I just found that to be great in a lot of ways and hilarious in other ways and very meta. And I like the scene um at the end of the film when Dick Dodge is getting arrested and Eddie kept trying to pose with him. Yeah. <laughs> Why for the pictures and he just had this big ass. Yeah. He's like, You want me to smile for the camera, right? You want me to coon it up? And he's smiling it up with him. I thought that was uh great as well. Um I think that's it for our superlatives. Is that right, Rashawn? Or did I miss any? Um, what age well? What didn't age well? We already oh, discussed yeah. those things, but yeah. Is there anything that didn't age particularly well to you, Shante? Mm-hmm. I th- 
there was a part uh, when he was uh, doing the the he was campaigning, you know, the going through the I guess maybe it was Chinatown or an Asian part, and he was doing an Asian accent, oh, yeah. and it was just like, oh yeah, that's not that doesn't really uh, doesn't really fly. That's not gonna fly now and everything. So that was definitely something that I thought didn't necessarily age well. Yeah, he did the Asian accent. Then he went to the uh, Latino part of town and did a, a Latino accent. Then he went to the Jewish part of town and did a Yiddish. Like, he did all of that. Um, anything that aged well for you that you were just like, oh, this was good back then and that would still hold up today? Oh, she's on mute. What about you, Rashani? Um, Probably just the belief that you can actually go into office and make a change just that lie and and recognizing it's a lie i, I think that's age well like lying to people to get in the office and lying about what you're going to do once you get in the office i do respect the fact that he said straight out uh you don't need to see me kissing babies or anything because i'm this dude and i'm not going to change um but yeah yeah that that part, that that age well to me is people lying to get in the office, and then once they get in the office, uh, not doing anything to actually help out their constituents at all. And I'm not talking about uh, Jeff um, in this in this situation. I'm talking about the football player right. and the other white guy who I think was on TV. Uh, He's a weatherman. Just, he was a weatherman who just kind of fell into Congress after they left their initial jobs and didn't know what the fuck they were doing, but were willing to talk to people like they knew what they were doing. That's undefeated. A hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, that aged incredibly well. Like this, the whole political aspect of this film, with the exception of the narrative that both sides are the same. And that's only to a certain extent, like ages, very well but i think in 1992 it was kind of daring to do a film like this um because it, but you know the funny thing about this and this is the same thing i think about with cops like you get these arguments with white people who are always defending cops and it's like cops are aggressive thin blue line but then if you watch any television show that focuses on cops for the last 30 years all of them show cops to be terrible people the cops are always corrupt Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or they're yes. doing bad shit, or they beat the shit out of people. And there's always like one or two good cops, and then everybody else is bad cops. But then when you ask them to talk about it in real life, they're like, oh, there's one or two bad cops, and everybody else is good cops. And it's this it's the same thing with this in the way where it's just like if you watch this, you would think people would be like, if you watch politics, movies, everyone's portrayed as being corrupt and just there to get over and make money. And that's what we think. But then, like, a lot of people actually truly believe in their random-ass politician as being, like, somebody who's actually making change. And they continue to vote them in. Lindsey Graham's been in office since 1990 1990 or whatever. Like, these congressmen or senators have been in office forever, even though nothing ever changes. Uh, Yeah. They make movies about them. People watch the movies about them. And then they go in real life and think that it's different, even though these art imitates life. So... I thought that aged uh, really well um, in this yeah, film. Yeah, definitely. All right, Rashani, you wrap it up, host. All right, for sure. So um, this wraps up Eddie Murphy month. 
Um, I, I, I'm still, you know, slightly put out that we didn't get Bowfinger on here, but hey, you know, we all the moves that we did. And Steve Martin month. That would require us to do a Steve Martin month, bro. <laughs> like that—that's a whole month of Steve Martin. Name five Steve Martin movies without Googling it. <laughs> uh, what is it? What is it? Uh, the Brothers? wedding one. The wedding. Oh, he wasn't in Blues Brothers. No, he wasn't in Blues Brothers. You're right. The uh, wedding. He's... The the f- father of the bride. That's one. Um, yeah, father of the bride. House sitter. House sitter. Um, was that the one with uh, with uh, Queen Latifah? No, that is that's bringing down the house, which I would not name. But house sitter is, uh, <laughs> is Steve Martin. House sitter is Steve Martin and Goldie Hawn. Pink Panther. Probably, sure. Uh, the Jerk, which I haven't seen, but I'm just naming off Steve Martin movies. Uh, okay, I've seen The else? Jerk. Oh, My The Outer Towners. Been... I used to like that movie. What? Wait, wait. Oh, the one with him and Jan, Jan, um, John Candy, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's, 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 that's. Okay. None of these are good enough to I, I would I, I wouldn't even want to bring this upon anybody. Like <laughs> yo, real talk listeners, y'all just got done listening to the distinguished gentleman. If you feel like you deserve <laughs> a Steve Martin month. If you feel like something in your life has told you that you're only pinned to the Steve Martin month, hit us up on Twitter. Um, you could make it a Robert Downey Jr. month because he was in both. Three Amigos. Three, three Amigos. amigos. Oh, okay. Three Another Amigos one. was good. Well, at the time, I probably it's probably terrible now. <laughs> yeah, it's probably bad now. Yeah, another one that I. Know. Robert Downey Jr. month. Just just notice in there. Nigga, he was in Bowfinger for like. Five minutes. <laughs> he was in it. <laughs> you, got, you got Bowfinger. You got Tropic Thunder. Iron Man. <laughs> Zodiac. I'm not doing who any di- who, direct- who directed Bowfinger? Was it Eddie or was it Steve? Or was it someone else? Uh, I got it right here. It was uh, Frank Oz. Oh, you Frank could do Oz Fra- maybe, maybe you could do Frank Oz movies. Y'all are trying so like hard to get, oh, the to, I mean, to get Bowfinger out there for me, and I appreciate this. I, I appreciate I mean, just... the Stepford. So he did the Stepford Wise, Bowfinger. I've never heard of these movies. What about Bob? That's a great film. We already have that on one of our lists. I think that's Bill Mar- uh, Bill Murray, right? That's Bill Murray month, yes. Yep. The because, Muppets Take Manhattan. Because I had to yeah. give in so then I could talk about uh, Groundhog's Day. Yes. Yeah, we could do. <laughs> Luckily, next yeah. month we don't have to worry about what we're gonna do because yes. next month is Halloween, so we are doing uh, hood Halloween classics uh, next month. So uh, tune in next week when we talk. Hold about on, hold on. Before we go, before we go, I have yes. to ask Shantae this. Okay, Shantae, are you a fan of Vampire in Brooklyn? Be honest. I mean, I'm not, I don't dislike it. It's not like one of those, like, ah, oh, fuck that movie. It's just not a movie that I ever wanted to revisit after watching it. That, that means she's not a fan. 
Brenner. No, that's not fan. what that means. Nobody's a fan of Vampire in Brooklyn. Like, I don't even know. No, understand. I think a lot of people, I think people fuck with it, but it's just, it wasn't for me. Who? Brandon? People fuck with it. Brandon, it's you. You're people. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone fucks with Vampire in Brooklyn. I'm going to do a poll on Twitter. You watch. I'm going to do a poll. Okay. I, I, think you, I think you would find that there are, especially black people who do fuck with it, like, especially black people who fuck with horror that this is probably one of those black horror movies that yeah, like they, they fuck with it because there's so many because there's so much uh there's not enough black horror out there like you know the, the whole stereotype where we get killed in a movie you know so there's it's rare that we get to be you know the focus of a horror movie so i feel like if you polled especially black horror movie people they would say that they fuck with this movie Thank you. they would say they fuck with vampire in brooklyn Thank you. Rashad thinks it's one of the worst movies ever made. Because I'm right. I mean, it very well might be. That, See? But that, still, but that still doesn't mean that people don't fuck with it. That's really what it is. If I think that there are people who really fuck with that movie. What I have found is that there are people in this world who fuck with a lot of things and they don't know why they do. I mean, it does have a 10% of Rotten Tomatoes. And um, also the fact that I literally paid money to purchase Vampire in Brooklyn makes me sad beyond all recognition. So do you want to give the people a preview, like tell them what we're doing next month? Do you want to? Yeah, no, it's not a secret. Uh, We're going to go ahead and start off with Tales from the Hood uh, because I need a palate cleanser before we go back to Vampire in Brooklyn. (laughs) Um, And then we're going to do Leprechaun in the Hood. And then we're going to do The People Under the Stairs. And then we're going to do this movie called Dead Heist. You hear that? This movie, he wants me to watch Dead Heist, but he can't watch Vampire in Brooklyn. So, wait, Rashani, are you not going to watch Vampire in Brooklyn? I've already paid for Vampire in Brooklyn. I'm going to watch that shit. Okay, so so basically you two are trading off movies that you may not really really No, no, this is the equal trade, Shante. Do you know who the star of Dead Heist (laughs) is, Shante? You want to know who the star of that is? No, but you can tell me. No. Big Daddy Kane. (laughs) And E-40. And E-40. Oh, wow. And Bone Crusher. Yeah. Oh, this, this is no, not an even trade. No, yeah. this, not is even not, trade. this is not an even trade. This is not an even trade at all. But you got to remember, will... in times like this, Shantae, you can't ever be scared. Eastside. <laughs> Never will... scared. Okay, I will say this. Just I, I hope that I could be considered to be a guest for people under the stairs. Just like scars on it. Ah. <laughs> oh. Scar's the reason why we're even doing that fucking movie. <laughs> Damn it. I love that movie. So. I've never well, seen we it. can have two people on it because I ain't going to have nothing. Uh, but the thing is, you, you know Scar. You're going to be playing uh, Jumping Jacks or, or, or Double Dutch to get in on that conversation because yeah. this is Scar's movie. Um, the only thing I know about People Under the Stairs is that it starred the little kid who was the little kid in Moonwalker who played Michael Jackson Jr. Yeah. That's all I know about this movie. I'm going to watch it for free. I'm going to make fun of it until Scar erupts. That's the whole goal. How long can I go until Scar breaks? <laughs> and then <laughs> I'm going to move forward. But yeah, no, we love to have you. Um, 
Oh, gosh. Hmm. Boy. So, again, um, from all of us here, uh, Shantae, thank you so much for joining us. We greatly appreciate it. Again, tell folks where they can find you out on Twitter and things of that nature if you want to. If not, then they can just wonder. No, you can follow me uh, at Shantae Fabulous on Twitter. Uh, you can listen to me with Rashani on single simulcast. And there you go. And um, Brandon, you got any shout outs or anything to say? No, I'm just, uh, thanks, Shantae, for doing this with us. This was a lot of fun. Thank you, Rashani, for watching this movie that I told you was better than you thought. You know what? I was right again. You, you were uh, right on this one, but don't make a big thing out of it. Your streak is not going to last too long. And I'm going to be right about <laughs> Vampire. We're going to do Vampire of Brooklyn. You're going to be like, I right. You know what? Remember Matter of fact, I'm going to ask my beloved wife, Nisha, to be our uh, guest on Vampire in Brooklyn. That way you can get two niggas who are watching it for the first time. It's going to hate your guts for it. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Even better. Y'all are going to love it. Uh, but yeah, I don't have any other shout outs. Uh well, y'all, thanks so much for checking us out. Uh, be sure to look at us on Twitter at Hindsight Reviews, R-E-V-U-E-S. Uh, we're also on Facebook. We have a page there at Hindsight Movie Reviews. Um, you can leave an email at hindsightmoviereviews uh, at gmail.com. And that's about it. Thank y'all so much for checking us out. We greatly appreciate it. Y'all be good. Peace. for hindsight is coffee by cambo smith and it's from the free music archive this is single simulcast